Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Charles Anderson, talking about some of the projects that he's been working on, and namely one of them being called uh, Kello Charts. So hi, Charles, and welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, more or less. It's starting to warm up here in, in Spain, where I'm located. You know, I, I'm, I'm not used to these freezing temperatures of 10, 11, degrees celsius right it's like <laughs> when i don't see sun for a day it's no good <laughs> so where are you based oh man uh we're, i'm in atlanta um it's funny that you mentioned being cold my wife and i just did a a mountain hike out in colorado where we were fighting negative 20 wind chill is that fahrenheit so, or celsius uh fahrenheit but at that temperature it's actually very close to the same yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter anymore right? yeah it's all cold yeah, I remember one time I was in a, I went to, well, one time, the only time I went to uh, Siberia uh, and it was, uh, oh, no. it was minus 40 Celsius oh and gosh. people are like, how cold is that? I'm like, you know, once you hit minus 20, you really can't tell anymore how cold <laughs> uh, it is. It's just, it's just damn cold, absolutely. right? <laughs> it's just cold. Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly yeah. right. So uh, you have been doing some stuff around Kotlin, uh, namely yeah. one of the things that I mentioned, which was a Kello chart. So can you give me a, a brief idea of what that exactly is? Sure. Uh, Kello charts is the Kotlin port uh, of in a, a library called Hello Charts. Um, I've used it for a while. It's a basic graph library for Android. I'm trying to make it as lightweight as possible is the is the main goal of it. Your version of it or you're trying to make yeah. a light version of it? Okay. Yeah. And, and what, so what does yeah. uh, Hello Charts do for those that aren't familiar with it? So it, it lets you plot uh, line charts, bubble charts, bar charts, uh, pie charts, you know, the standard kind of stuff that you'd want to show in an informational capacity in an Android app. I've used it in several apps of my own. Uh, I've used it in uh, some of my production apps for my day job. It's one of those things where so often business apps need charts and it's a pretty straightforward way to turn data into charts that are very nice looking, easy to adapt to whatever app you're in, make them look sleek i'm just trying to picture a chart i mean if i think about it i've probably seen uh -huh. um line charts on apps that i've used in the past but it's uh what line of business is it well i mean what is your day job that you're using these things for uh, the day job that uh, i'm using it in right now is a company called clutch technologies uh, we are a car subscription service uh we use it to display statistics about people's driving, um, how many hours they were driving last month, things like that. Uh, so we can show them, we can show them that in a nice, pretty way, other than just here's a number. Right. And is that how is that done? I mean, is it through Android of? Uh, what? Is it called Android? Of, well, you're not using Android of Things in cars. No, there's a, there's a specific uh, area for there's a specific Android for actual embe embedded in cars. Is there not? It's yeah. There's Android Auto, but this isn't for Android Auto. This is just an Android app uh, that lets users. So 
with the, the way the company works, you uh, pay a monthly fee to have access to a fleet of cars and uh, you change cars by asking for a new one through the app. Uh, so the app keeps, we have all the data about what cars you've been in, how often you're changing cars, uh, things like that. And so that's the kind of thing that we're presenting to users on. It's just an Android app. Okay. Okay. And that makes sense. Yeah. And you're presenting all of this basically in an infogra infographic way, right? Essentially. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so, uh, hello charts is something because I mean, excuse me, because I am not, uh, as you may have noticed an Android developer. So I'm not too familiar with <laughs> everything that's going on in the Android world. Uh, so this is sure. a very well-known library in the Android world. Hello charts. It was better known a few years ago. The principal library uh, is kind of uh, withering on the vine, which was part of the reason why I, I decided to uh, convert the library to Kotlin and start maintaining it that way. There were a few things that I had already done on my own. I had submitted some pull requests years ago at this point that never nothing ever happened. So it was one of those things where I, I enjoy the library. I use it... Uh, it's my go-to for charts whenever I need them. So I wanted to maintain it. And these days that means making it Kotlin because uh, that's the world I'm living in these days. That's actually interesting because, uh, you know, we'll touch up on what you've done there regarding Kotlin. Uh, because one of the things that you mentioned is, I believe you said, make it more lightweight and we can get to that. But you know, it comes. It's an interesting thing you bring up because you said that you were using this uh, library, which was, I'm assuming, it was open source. Since you said that there were some mm -hmm. pull requests that were not ignored, so is the library essentially stopped being maintained, so to speak? Right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you did the unthinkable, which is fork the library, I assume, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forked the library and added and. I mean, I've, I forked it a while ago to add a few things that um, didn't exist in the original library. Um, there were some some chart styles that just weren't supported that the business that I was using, the, the business case I was using the, app, the library for then needed. And so I extended it, submitted pull requests, and they just, it, that was right around the time that the uh, owner stopped maintaining it. And did you actually approach the owner to, kind of uh, become a maintainer of the original library? I did. I tried uh, a couple of years ago and I just, I never got, never got the feedback that I was looking for um, to try to kind of help it along. Yeah. But the reason I bring it up because just recently I saw a tweet on uh, a tweet on Twitter. I mean, I guess there's no other place <laughs> that you could see a tweet unless it's embedded on Buzzfeed or somewhere. Uh, but I saw a, a tweet that was that, someone was kind of not reproaching, but kind of saying like, you shouldn't just fork a library if if you're feeling that it's not going the direction you want or if it's not like getting maintained, you should proactively try and engage and maintain that original yeah. uh, library. I mean, they were talking in the context of actual packages on, on Maven, right? Yeah. And right. It, it kind of feels like, but why? I mean, if we've hold, we've we've built this whole principle of 
open source and and this culture of mm -hmm. GitHub that if I don't like something, I'll fork it. And if I provide a better implementation, why not? Like, wh wh why right. do I have to become a maintainer, especially if I don't see eye to eye with that original <laughs> maintainer or, or there's you know, right. discrepancies? Yeah, I saw that same tweet go by and I, I have two minds of that process, which is there, I would say that the default should be to try to keep one library, keep maintaining that library, uh, you know, because other people are using it. And if the discoverability of a new library is much harder than something that people are already using, especially with all the pieces that Android Studio and Gradle have where you, know, you, you get highlight in your build file to say, hey, there's a new version available. Um, certainly that there's a lot of that that is lost when you fork a library. At the same time, there are times when I when it's it's the best course of action. If you're if if you don't see eye to eye with someone, or if the person's just non-responsive, which and that was the case for this particular library years ago. Yeah, and I guess it also depends on your the the reason for it, right? Like if I want to do my own thing, it, it there's yeah. It's like don't reproach someone because they want to fork a library. It, it's absolutely fine. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, if if you're talking about discoverability yeah. or, or providing an, a, a better solution even to to the community, right. that there's upsides and downsides yep. as, as as you mentioned, right? So, but exactly. Uh, so you forked this library and you said that you decided to well just what essentially rewrite it in Kotlin or what did you do? Yeah. Yeah, it was a combination of converting and rewriting. Uh, the the a lot of the math in the library, I mostly tried to convert and you know just make sure it was working. Um, this library didn't have any tests, and I have just in my local copy started adding tests to make sure that as I as I go through the iterations of improving the library nothing breaks. Uh, that's one of the re that was one of the things that I was always kind of hesitant about uh, when I first pulled the library in years ago. And now I'm, I'm able to fix that in my, in my fork. Um, the other big thing for me with, with this was in, in my app code, because that's Kotlin, there are there are some advantages that I can use uh, that I couldn't I couldn't use in the old library because it was Java because you couldn't have um, named arguments out of order and defaults without writing eighteen twenty constructors uh, with different overloads. It was it it used this crazy big builder pattern where realistically 90% of the times that I use the library, most of that stuff is like is default or I know it at, at like immediately I'm not, you know, I'm not changing anything. So it was, it made a lot more sense to me to have a more comprehensive constructor for the classes that I was using and to convert some of the backing classes to data classes that, because they don't need to to do anything really. 
Yeah, and that is that is quite a challenge there, right? Because you're not only taking a library and changing language, but you were effectively working with what uh, uh, I guess Michael Fellows also calls legacy code, right? In the sense that there are yeah. no unit tests. So now I've got to yeah. change language and introduce unit tests. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, <laughs> well done. Um, yeah. Good on you. So, uh, <laughs> and what, how, how, what, I mean, what were you doing? Were you actually introducing unit tests and then translating that to uh, translating existing code to Kotlin? Well, so I actually had unit tests in my production app against the, against the graphs that I needed. Um, so the way that I verified the conversion of the library was that those unit tests passed. Um, I haven't actually checked in the unit tests on the library itself. That's uh, a project for uh, soon. It's they're they're in progress. I'm trying to get as much coverage from them as I can. And I just, have, I just haven't haven't finished that part yet. OK, so then I'm going to take my uh, kudos back. Oh, I'll give you half a kudos. Oh, no. <laughs> half a half kudos. A kudos. It's tested, but it's it, it was be, again because it was because the original library didn't have unit tests, um, I built tests on you know kind of one level up and so that's that's where i had to i had to verify that it was still working and the easiest way to do that to get and bring it into the production code that i was working with was uh to use the test that i already had yeah i i think we can coin a new acronym a tmit trust me it's tested it's <laughs> it's okay oh, to man. use <laughs> yeah and so now the code, I'm guessing you, you're converting this to Kotlin. Mm -hmm. How does that um, impact in terms of usability? Because, you know, we've had people on the show and uh, and there's also a few Kotlin, uh, even Kotlin Conf talks and some other guidelines around saying that, you know, uh, Kotlin is great for interop with, with Java. Uh, if you're just doing Kotlin to Kotlin, it's awesome. If you're a library developer, you need to be aware of certain things when you are providing uh, an API surface for uh, Java developers and Kotlin developers. So in the case of Kello Chart, uh, are you doing that or are you essentially just thinking full steam ahead Kotlin and my only consumers are going to be Kotlin users? Uh, right now, the the primary focus is is Kotlin. Uh, the the reason being, Hello Charts exists, um, and the right now I haven't I haven't had the impetus to really make sure that it's going to operate nicely for someone who's pulling it into a Java project, um, mostly because. I just haven't, uh, I haven't sat down to kind of check all the boxes. Um, I, I did, I worked on this project in a little bit of a hurry because it was part of a larger project of refactoring um, my production app and, you know, coming across limitations in trying to use that old library from Kotlin already. It was already ugly. And so I was I was looking to pretty it up and start using it. And in terms of the conversion, are you 
Because I mean, one of the things, yeah, you you talk about pre pre prettying it up and prettifying it, mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> I think they actually use that term for uh, JSON, prettifying JSON. Mm -hmm. uh, so yep. you were trying to make the your uh, the API nicer, get away from some of these builder patterns that you said that had so many default options, etc. Uh, so has it mm -hmm. more been a surface uh, change of the API, or are you actually you know, uh, converting the internals of the project into Kotlin too. Uh, the internals are, I mean, literally every every line of code in that project is Kotlin. And the there's a lot of the calculation in, within the project that is still pretty basic. It's just the converted code from Java. But uh, there are places I've made notes uh, to myself about, you know, this could be done using some, you know, like some of the uh, sequence and iterator type patterns that will improve performance um, and make the code more legible to someone coming in to look at it. Uh, the math around a lot of the code is the is the biggest piece to try to make more approachable. So that if people want to contribute, they actually they don't make a change that they don't understand exactly what's going on. Um, another reason for wanting to make them the change to the math to make it more legible is so that if someone's trying to implement the library and and they don't understand, you know, the, the if the data that they're putting in doesn't show up the way they that, that they expect, it would be really nice if they if they looked at the source code if they understood why. Um, I've come across lots of charting libraries that have very complex math under the hood that if you don't, if you don't understand the thought process that the developer was using when they wrote it, good luck. But I mean, generally when you're working with charts, you need to, you need to have certain knowledge of, of the domain, would you say or not? Oh, sure. But you don't want to make it, uh, you don't want to make it unapproachable. There's a lot of. There, there were several libraries that I've tried to use in the past for charts that were just um, so complex and really, really too complex for most mobile needs for, from where I was sitting. Uh, they, they required too much, too much knowledge of exactly how the library wanted you to create a chart. You need to have all the all the switches in the right place, all the knobs turn just so. And realistically, for most of us developing apps, the chart isn't the app. The chart is uh, a piece of information that you're trying to deliver to, to somebody in a hurry. And if, if as an app developer, I have to spend most of the time trying to understand how to make this little bit of data that I have appear, I'm gonna give up and go some other direction. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I was um, trying to get to as well. Because, I mean, even if you think about something like Excel, right, uh, or Google Sheets or what have you, or numbers or whatever, is mm -hmm. you're yeah. trying to represent some data. And, and oftentimes, you actually can screw things up by using the wrong <laughs> visual representation of what you sure. want to do, right? 
Uh, oh yeah. And I was just thinking, like, is there a way to to help people with that other than say read the manual kind of thing, right? From an API perspective, well, I don't know. And that's that's part of what I'm trying to to work on here is within the within the library itself. I want to make sure that as much of the necessary pieces are easily surfaced so that when, and part of the reason, this is part of why the builder pattern is not as good for me in this library is that I can't, I don't know exactly what I need to set when I'm generating this library versus like, okay, what, what's going to do, what's going to, going to influence the data the way that I need it, you know, to show up. And when you, the changes that I'm working on and the changes that I made already are, are ones that are designed to simplify that. It's like, okay, these are the things that I, that these are the available things to set up. Um, I can see the defaults. I, you know, I know what I'm, what I'm getting myself into that way, you know, I can see what, I can see much more easily when I'm about to start a chart what I can, what I'm likely to need um, to build it the way that I want it to look in my app. So, kind of guiding you in the process of invoking a certain API is, could give you the sense yeah. that this is the wrong thing you're after, in the sense. Well, it's just, it's more, it's not even necessarily the wrong thing that you're after. It's just. Uh, like when you you want to set up a chart, it's like, okay, I need to have, I need my x-axis to look like this. I need my y-axis to look like this. And making sure that, that when, you know, so when you go to generate a chart, it's like, oh, I need to, to it's like, in this case, I need to override the format for the x-axis. It's like, okay, well, the, the, the API should, as much as possible, help me to get to that part. It's like, okay, well, as I'm creating my chart, here's the spot where the axis goes. You know, when I create that axis, here's the spot where the formatter goes. I don't have to, um, I don't need to have, you know, go in, okay, this is the kind of chart I'm making. And so let me go, it's like, okay, this is the builder and it has, an, you know, it has this, this property to set. Well, that needs another builder to build that property. And it's like you get into this pattern of, you know, 400 lines of code just to get, you know, one chart built that is, you know, that has a dollar sign for, in you know, in front of your numbers on your x-axis. And it's, that's a little obtuse for me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of at a different level, right? Uh you kind of have to know what you are, what it is that you're wanting to do, and then figure out what yeah. you actually need to do from the library perspective. Uh, so this leads to another question, which is, I, I have to ask, this is an obligatory question of, <laughs> have, you did, have you considered creating an actual DSL for charts as opposed to just API calls where you pass in the different parameters? I have, um, and right now, I think that because I was starting from a library that was set up the way it was, I haven't approached that really. Um, certainly, that 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 would be a an option to explore to to see really how how straightforward it could be. And 
some of those options that are available in Kotlin are, are some I've been looking at actually um, around unit testing and some of the interesting extensions you can make to to make the you know unit test more uh, fluent, if you will. So that instead of instead of all the dot asserts and things like that, there's a lot of examples of how to say how to make your unit tests read as sentences, um, which obviously, you know, that's that's useful on several levels. And so getting to some of that kind of length, that implementation would be really interesting for a chart just to just because you could you could certainly you could certainly open it up to another level of developer who doesn't necessarily need to know all the internals um, that are being set up the way that they kind of do now. Yeah, because it essentially, you know, because of the way that Kotlin allows you to create these DSLs and and, uh, and enforce restrictions on, on what you can do in where along as you're, as you're writing them, you know, it, it could give you a, a nice way to actually define these charts, right? True. Uh, you know, like I could create a, a pie chart with the, with the word pie. And then inside the pie chart, <laughs> I know exactly the options that I can set for a pie chart. Um, much the yeah. same way for, a, you know, a, a, a line chart or, or, or the different types of charts sure. that you could potentially have. I know that some people are doing these things in other areas. I know Thomas Neild, uh, one of the fellows from the community that does things around uh, data science. He's he's created a couple of libraries for uh, statistics that is trying to follow these patterns of creating DSLs for for these kinds of things. And it's not that hard to do, right? And it does give people... Right, well, that, that's... And this Kello Charts is open mm -hmm. source, I assume, obviously. And yep. uh, it's on yeah. uh, GitHub. Yep. And people could just essentially use that now if they're if they're working with Kotlin as opposed to the original one. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, it it's it's a very small amount of work to convert from the builder pattern of the old one to um the the Kotlin API. Uh I obviously I I had to go through that, so so I saw exactly how much work it was. Um it is it is pretty small. Um it doesn't convert directly, obviously, because it's going from that builder builder pattern, moving away from that builder pattern, I should say. Um, and it's it, it's also on um, JCenter uh, for pulling in if you want to use it. It's uh, happy to accept pull requests from anybody who finds bugs or wants to add unit tests that I haven't added yet. Uh, always happy to to work with the community and be part of it. How bound is this to, uh, oh, sorry, wrong word. How coupled is this to Android? <laughs> because, you know, I'm thinking multi-platform here, today Android, tomorrow iOS, the day after the world, uh, you know, <laughs> JavaFX, native, <laughs> JavaScript, well, if right, you really have to. Yeah. Like, you know. Oh, goodness. How, would it be viable well, right now to, it's pretty tightly bound. It's pretty tightly bound. Yeah, it's it's pretty tightly coupled um, using some of the view pieces uh, from within Android. I, I would have to really think hard about what it would take to uh, 
to to decouple that and and be able to have several versions. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that though, because one of the thoughts on the puzzle game is is to uh, see if I can use the low level business logic. Uh, as a library that I build in Kotlin native so that I can more quickly stand up an iOS version of the app. Uh, I just haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> well, do ping me when you do, because I'll be interested. Yeah. Cool. Any regrets? I, I don't mean in about life Kotlin? in general. I mean about... <laughs> that just That's came out question. of the blue, right? <laughs> Do we, do we have time for that? I don't, I don't know how long I, I need to answer that. No, just kidding. Um, for Kotlin, definitely not. I, um, from the moment I dove in, I understood why so many other people have had kind of that happy experience with it. Um, when it was announced that it was a, that it was going to be a first class language, that was when I really dove in, um, I had seen it, I knew it existed, but I hadn't really, I hadn't built anything with it. Um, and then I, I dove in, I mean, just head first and all the stuff that people say about it being an easier, happier language to develop in, they're all right. Um, I, especially compared to, uh, the experience of Android and Java, uh, Android and Kotlin is, is so nice. Um, I've, you know, the, the extension functions have made my code so much more legible, um, which, you know, it, that's always good for code that I'm, that I've got to maintain. Um, but even better is because it's more concise. Um, it just means that there's, there's less code to dig through, which sounds it sounds nice but in practice it's even nicer than that um you know one of one code base that i was working on was 50,000 lines of code and after converting it to kotlin it's now 20,000 lines of code and has more features than it did before and so it's it's which is kind of hard to believe um but as as someone who has to dig through those lines of code occasionally to to fix a bug, it's it sure is nice to have only forty percent of them. Yeah, and it's it's always you know the 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 key thing here is to point out that you can always reduce lines of code. The big thing is to make sure that it's still comprehensible, right? Not just less right. code. Well, and that's 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 what I really like about the reduction that I got from Kotlin is that it's not, it's not reducing code and obscuring what's happening under the hood. Um, that's, that's the big advantage. You're there's Everything's still right in front of you. Yeah. For now. I mean, for, yeah, like, for let's now. be fair, come back to your code base in 10 years and see if you can still understand oh, it. Oh goodness. I, Goodness, I, I can't even, I, the code that I was writing 10 years ago, I I really hope doesn't exist still. I Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure it does. And that, that makes me a little sad. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the, the, the yeah, I, I was going to say the, the code that I wrote 10 days ago, I don't even understand, let alone 10 years ago. Oh, man. 
that's that's a different problem. <laughs> Code you write at 3 a.m. that you can't remember when you wake up the next morning what it's supposed yeah, to do. Uh, but if it's not, it come back to me in 10 years and we'll discuss this on Talking Kotlin in 10 years if I'm still around. Sure. Yeah. I, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> well, it was great having you on the show. Uh, thanks for the work that thanks you're doing. Me. And uh, yeah, for anyone that's interested, check out uh, Kello Charts. And if that wasn't completely obvious, Kello is spelt with a K. Where did you get that idea from? <laughs> yep. I don't know. I, I couldn't imagine. Exactly. Great. Chat to you next time.